Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I, I like what I feel in here. I've been feeling exhausted and tired this entire day and just was unsure if I even had it in me to preach today, but I, I felt my help come during that last little portion of worship we were just experiencing. I, I tell you what, whew, God is good. I don't, I, he leaves me speechless at times because he's just so good. He's so awesome. He's so wonderful. I'm going to try not to be before you for very long. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, and we'll be reading verses 10 through 19. I tell you what, God never ceases to amaze me. You don't know why I'm smiling, but this is right all up in my business, in my message today. <laughs> I didn't have a conversation with Pastor either about what the theme of the month was going to be. I had no idea. When I sat, saw the, the theme of the month, I was blown away. I said, okay, God, I know you're doing something because you've now confirmed to me twice that what I'm supposed to be saying is of you. I hope you heard what she just said. Or to say what the Lord said through her. Because that was straight Holy Ghost, what she just said. That was of the Spirit of God, was what she just spoke. And it confirms exactly what I'm going to be preaching about today. Whew. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. 
and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair wool. Were white as white as wool, were light white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth one a two a sharp two edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Today I want to preach to you a message simply called when the first is last. When the first is last. God has been trying to communicate this concept to us, even through the worship. All the songs that were sung today, both services, were inspired by the Holy Spirit in talking about the concept of God being the first and the last, of being worthy of all of the praise, of being the Alpha and the Omega. This concept is crucial, is critical. It is imperative that we understand this in our walk with God and so that we may do what was spoken earlier which is to repent I want to enter into prayer and enlist his aid I believe that we are going to enter into the realm of spiritual warfare with this message and I believe the enemy is doing everything he can to stop it from going forth I believe that there is victory here today and I believe that there is liberty there is deliverance in this house today if we would grab hold of this concept and truly ingest it in our hearts Let us align our hearts even now as we pray. Father, right now, we thank you. Oh, God. I say as the psalmist says, in Psalm 8, verse 4, oh, God, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visest him, you who humblest himself just to behold the things that are in heaven. Father, I pray, oh, God, let it be known here today that you alone are the one and only true and living God and that through you Lord Jesus all things exist and all things consist and for your pleasure were they created oh God you're worthy to receive all strength and blessing all riches, glory, praise, worship and honor all adoration be unto the only wise God that lives forevermore be it known here today that there is a God in the heaven and the earth who rules and works in the affairs of men may it be known here today that you are the Alpha and that you are the Omega 
be lifted up and be glorified, O oh God. We give you the praise. Use me today, Father. Have your way in me. Oh God, speak through me with clarity. Help me to preach with the anointing. Let Christ and him be crucified, seen in our midst today. Oh, be exalted amongst us. We thank you and we bless you. We worship you and adore you. And in Jesus' name, let the church live in God say amen. You may be seated. I marvel at man's attempt to encapsulate all that God is. That there are so many different titles, so many different adjectives that is tried to describe the magnificence of God who is infinite and who is eternal. And all of our the names and all the identifiers that we see in the narrative of Scripture, there was one that God chose, in particular, when He introduced Himself to Moses. That you all know the story that Moses was a prince of Egypt and that he fled from Pharaoh after he had killed an Egyptian, seeing the oppression of his brethren. And for 40 years he lived in the wilderness with his, with his uh, father-in-law Jethro and married his wife Zipporah. And as he was out in the field by the mountains with the shepherds, with the, with the sheep, he saw an amazing sight, a bush that was on fire but yet not consumed. And God called to Moses from this bush and called him to come closer. And then he begins to in, uh, mandate to him his mission in life to be a deliverer to the nation of Israel. And then when Moses is confronted with this, he asks God, Who shall I say? Who shall I say? is the one that sent me. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Exodus 3, verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now out of all the titles that God could have used, out of all the names, God chose this one as the primary identifier for himself. This is the most holy and sacred name. A name that is so holy and so revered that the people of Israel could not even speak it. Even today, the Jews will not utter this name. They will only use the phrase Hashem, which means the name. Whenever they try to even write the name, they won't even write God. They'll write G with a hyphen in it and a D because the name of God is so high and so revered. But why, out of all the things that God shows, He used this as a means, as a marker to identify Himself. Because the I am that I am, this claim that He was saying, it literally means the all-existing one, the self-existing one. What's very interesting within the name Yahweh or Jehovah, the yad heh vah are all the letters that are used to, to describe what it, means to, what it means to be which was and also which is and is to come. You will find the letters for those phrases in the name of Yahweh. That he was saying, I am he who was. The one who has always been and the one who always be. From me all things consist and from me all things exist. I am the beginning of all things. He, I am the originator of all things. The name of God 
which the name that he used whenever he was speaking to Moses is called Hayah. And it literally means what I just told you. It means I am, the present. And if you look in Hebrew, in modern day Hebrew, there is no am in Hebrew. They will not use the word am or is. If, if you were to talk to a Jew and they were speaking Hebrew and you were to try to say, I am hungry, you would just say, I hungry. They can, you can say, I was hungry or I will be hungry, but they will never use the word am because that word, hayah, is exclusively reserved for God himself because he's the only one that is and that will always be. The self-existing one. From him all things come from and originate. When one is the first or the originator of something, they have the right to dictate how that something is supposed to be used. This is why there is often conflict between parties when it comes to being the first to accomplish a feat or something. For example, copyright infringement. For example, an artist, a musical artist or a writer may have some sort of work and they copyright it. Because they want it to be known that I am the one who originated this work. I am the first one to produce this. From me, this comes from. Because if you have the copyright, then you have two things. One, it first gives you the right to glory and honor and recognition of what was created. Secondly, it gives you the power to control the usage of the thing and also to determine its end. So when God said that I am that I am, saying I am the creator of all things, I am the self-existing one, from me all things consist, he's saying I have the right, one, to all the glory and all the honor of everything that exists. And secondly, only I have the authority and the jurisdiction to determine its end. It's a very big point. It's a claim of authority. Moses was asking this because I need to have authority if I'm going to speak to the children of Israel and if I'm going to speak before Pharaoh. I control it all. I deserve all of the glory and I deserve all of the power and the control of all that exists. Now you have to understand something here. That this idea of beginnings is something that has not only been fought in the religious community, but it has been fought in the intellectual and the scientific community. Up until the early 1900s, all philosophers and scientists believed that the universe was infinite and was eternal. That it had no beginning. Until one day a man by the name of Albert Einstein, he, he discovered and wrote the theory of general, general relativity where he discovered that the universe has a cause and has a beginning. Now this shocked the scientific community because they had, they had a philosophical problem. Because if the universe had a beginning, who started it? Or what started it? And because of that, they didn't want to say, well, God started it. They had to come up and say, well, nothing started it. That there was nothing and then it all exploded. And then there was everything. You will have debates with philosophers and scientists over what nothing is. It's, it's really funny. It's quite hilarious. Because they'll try to stop. Because we've never observed nothing produce anything. And you know, I, think it was a, I think it was Socrates or was Aristotle who said that nothing is what rocks dream about. Because that's what it is. It's nothing. But no, something has to produce something. But the thing is, everything that exists has a beginning and has an ending. But for the universe to begin, there must be something outside of time itself 
That means who, who or whatever it is must be timeless, must have no cause, must have no beginning, and must not have any ending. And this implies then that this individual has the right and the glory to all that exists and has the right to dictate how we live. And God has been fighting what I like to call a cosmic copyright infringement issue. Copyright infringement is when somebody steals the work of somebody else. There's been all sorts of lawsuits about this. One of the most, one of the most famous was when Vanilla Ice, he stole, uh, for his song, Ice Ice Baby, he stole the song from Queen and, and David Bowie. And he said, it's different. I changed one little note in the bass line. He obviously lost the case. But copyright infringement, when people steal other people's work and try to take credit for it and make money in the profit of it and try to control it. And, and God was confronted with copyright infringement. Because when God created the heavens and the earth, he also set up what we like to call a divine council. He set up heavenly beings to govern over the earth. And these heavenly beings, these angels, started to take the credit for themselves and masquerade as deities themselves. That's why every nation across the world, every culture has its own deity, its own God that it worships. Because these beings were masquerading saying, we're the ones who made you. We're the beginning of all things. We're the ones that we created you. Make images, make idols of ourselves and worship us. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 15, God begins to describe his copyright infringement lawsuit that he was dealing with because he's saying, I'm the one who started it all, but these jokers over here are trying to steal my glory, steal my praise, and dictate how humanity is to conduct itself. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 15, Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for you saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Lest ye corrupt yourselves and make your graven image the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the, the the earth. He goes to say, lest thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven should be driven to worship them and serve them which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. Under the whole heaven. He said, I gave these guys a job to kind of watch over things and they went crazy and thought they owned the house. Right? You got, you're running property out of somebody. They think they own the house. They start repainting stuff and knocking down walls and trying to make it like it's their house. And God said, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. This is, this is my house. This is my house. This is, I run this show. So God has been fighting a copyright infringement lawsuit against all of these deities. And he has pronounced judgment against all the gods, these so-called gods of the earth. And so we see in the scripture, throughout the scripture, God is making claims to exclusivity as being the one and only true God, that he calls himself the Holy One of Israel. We find in Isaiah 43 verse 10, you can, you can hear God's attitude here as he's launching his lawsuit, his copyright infringement lawsuit against these false deities, against these fakers, against these imposters. Isaiah 43 verse 10 says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God, for neither 
neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me, there is no Savior. Isaiah 44 verse 8 says, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Isaiah 45 verse 5 says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though through though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none else beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Isaiah 45, 21 says, Tell ye and bring them near, yet let them let they take counsel together, who have declared this from ancient time, who have told it from that time, have not I the Lord, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I have the copyright. I'm the one who authored this. I'm the one who wrote this. God laid claim to the right of being called the one and only living God. But stating that he is the first and that he is the last. Now I want to really focus on this phrase in particular. Because as I stated earlier, that if you're the first to do something, then you have the right to all the honor and all the glory. And secondly, you have the right and the power to control how something is used and how something is going to be ended. And so we see also that God is trying to establish his authority as being the one and only true God. That there is no other God beside him. All these things are idols. All these things things are graven images. All of them are fake. They are fallacious. They are fleeting. They will falter. They will fail you in every capacity that you can imagine. Only God is omnipotent. Only God is omniscient. Only God is omnipresent. Only God is altogether lovely. Altogether worthy. Altogether worthy of my worship. Only God is righteous and gracious and true. So God said, I want it to be known that I am the first and I am the last. Isaiah 44 verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. Isaiah 41 verse 4 says, Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. Isaiah 48 verse 11. For mine own sake, even for mine own sake will I do it. For how? How should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. No one else is supposed to be getting anything from me. I did not authorize somebody else being praised, somebody else being worshipped. He says in verse 12, Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my, my, my call. I am he. I am the first. I also am the last. Because the first has the control. That's why we had the space race when the United States was racing against the Soviets to get to the moon because the one who got there first got all the credit, got all the glory about being the first. Now, I want to turn back to Revelation, but I need to give some background behind what is going on in the book of Revelation. Now, during the book of, the book of Revelation, and it's, it's Revelation, not Revelations. Revelation 1. Now, I'm going to make a big deal about that in a minute. Revelation, not revelations. It's singular. Make sure we get that straight. So, John, the Apostle John, is the writer of the book of Revelation. And it was during this time there was intense persecution that had arisen against the church. John is the only living apostle left. This is approximately during 90 to 96 A.D., 
All the other apostles are dead. And John is, ex- is exiled or sent away to the island of Patmos for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to explain why this happened. Why were Christians being persecuted during this particular time? The emperor at this time was named Domitian. And Domitian, he had just become emperor. And he firmly believed in the traditional Roman religion. And personally saw to it that ancient customs and morals were observed throughout his reign. In order to justify the divine nature of his rule, Domitian emphasized connections with the chief deity, Jupiter. Perhaps most significantly through the impressive restoration of the temple of Jupiter on the Capitoline Hill. You have to understand here, he needed to authenticate his right to govern as being the emperor, as being the supreme ruler over this whole kingdom. And one of the things to give him more authority is he needed a power behind him to back it up. In this particular case, he appealed to the chief deity named Jupiter. He was basically saying that my position here as emperor is by divine decree and that you need to follow me because by following me, you are following our chief god, Jupiter. And so he resurrected the old religions of Jupiter and also the worship of all the Roman gods. And he emphasized a strict adherence to the worship of Jupiter and also the goddess Minerva alone. Now, this, of course, was a big problem because then you have this guy named John, who's an apostle, who's preaching about Jesus. Now, the thing is, this was a direct threat to his ability to rule because his authority to rule comes from Jupiter. But if I've got somebody over here saying that there's a Jesus who's truly the king and who's truly God, then that's a problem. i got to get rid of him. Now, church tradition says that they actually tried to kill John. That church tradition says that they took John and they tried to boil him in a pot of hot oil, but they couldn't burn him. They put him in the hot oil and he wouldn't die. He'd just take him to bath, just chilling in there. So when I can't kill him, I got to get rid of him. So they exiled him to the island of Patmos. Now I want you to understand here that Domitian's rule to govern came from a power that came behind him, which was Jupiter. And I want you to understand here today that the powers that we're fighting against today is not the governments that you see, not the politicians in Congress, it's not the state governor, it's not the mayor, it's the power behind them. There was an authority that they were appealing to for them to have their jurisdiction. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. Look at this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must surely come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ of all things that he saw. Now here's the thing I want you to understand. Whenever we read the book of Revelation, we tend to get off the topic. We tend to lose it. People don't really like to deal with Revelation because it's, well, it's got some interesting things in it to say the least. We think that Revelation is about the Antichrist and about the mark of the beast. We think Revelation is about the end of the world. No, the Revelation is about Jesus Christ. The word apocalypse is the Greek word for revelation. It means to reveal. We think it means the end of the world, but it means no, the unveiling of who Jesus truly is. Everything revolves around Jesus. All the law and the prophets testify about Jesus. When the spirit of truth has come, he will testify of me talking about Jesus. This book was written about Jesus to reveal, unveil the fullness of his Godhead, the fullness of his deity. What is interesting here is the island that John was exiled to, which was Patmos. Patmos literally means mortality or my killing. That you have to understand here, this was not a resort that John got sent to. He wasn't that, you know, 
uh, sandals. This was a penal colony. In other words, this was an island where they sent criminals to just kind of survive. John is in his 90s. He's on an island by himself, surrounded by the most dangerous and cantankerous figures you could possibly imagine. He's got no food. He's got no water. And people often died in these colonies because it was like, you know, you got food, I'm taking it from you. So we often died from violence between criminals. So John is in a very desperate situation here. And now as we see here in verse number 8, Revelation, verse number 8. Uh-oh, my nose just went all crazy. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. We see here, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to survive. And when all of a sudden Jesus appears and the first thing he says is that I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end and I am the first and I am the last and he tells John I want you to write everything that you see in this revelation that I have now why was Jesus telling him to do this because Jesus was about to launch a big old copyright infringement case against the God that was in control at that time named Jupiter because Jupiter now listen to this closely Jupiter is called the light bringer and the bright and shining sky so Jesus told John in Revelation twenty-two thirteen, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter into the gates into the city. For that are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Jesus hath sent mine angel to testify unto these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David. I am the bright and morning star. Jesus told John, I want you to write my name because Jupiter is trying to take my name. I'm the bright and morning star. Now the language that John uses is all about beginnings and endings. Bright and morning star. When the sun is in the morning, it's at its dimmest. But then Jesus says, I'm also the bright star. I'm the beginning and I am the ending. I am the first and I am the last. He then says, I'm the root of David, yet I'm the offspring of David. I created David, but yet I'm his descendant because I'm the beginning and I am the ending. I am the alpha and I am the omega. I am the first and I am the last because I and also I'm everything in between. I'm all that in a bag of chips. I'm the one and only true living God. Jupiter was also the God of war and agriculture. So John said, Jesus told John in Revelation 19.11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him 
them upon white horses clothed in fine linen and white, white and clean. And out of his mouth go the sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fiercest in the wrath of almighty God. And he hath on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that the only God of war is me. Because in Exodus 15, 3, God said that I am a man of war. In Psalms 24, verse 7, it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up ye everlasting doors. Then the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord God strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. I've got a copyright in front because y'all think that you're God when I'm the one and only true God. That's why that Jesus told John the writer that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's why he told John the writer that I am the door, that I am the light, that I am the way, the truth, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the bread of life, I am the bright and the morning star, I am the amen, and I am the faithful and true witness. I started it, and I'm sure I'm going to finish it. Don't you understand, John, that you're in isolation. You're in a place of mortality. You're in a place of killing. But fear not, John, because I am the beginning. I started your story, and I'm going to finish it. I'm going to write the ending of your story, a climax, a plot twist that nobody saw coming. That I am the first, and I am the last. I am the author, and I'm the finisher of my faith. I'm the, I'm the beginning of the creation of God. I'm going to finish it. So, Jesus was telling John, I don't want you to be afraid because I'm the beginning and I am the ending. I am the alpha and I am the omega. I want to encourage you today that you might be on an island of Patmos. You might be surrounded by some nefarious characters, by some people who aren't so nice. You might be in a situation of isolation and you don't know what to do. But fear not, because Jesus said, I am the first and I am the last. I started your story. I called you out of darkness and into my marvelous light. I called you into my salvation. And he that called you is able to keep you against that day. He that brought you out and forgave you and washed you of your sins is able to carry you all the way to heaven. I am the first and I am the last. And this is what happens in Galatians chapter 3. Paul writing to the Galatian church who had been dissuaded and deceived by the Judaizers making them believe that the only way to be saved was by following the laws of Moses. Paul says oh foolish Galatians who have bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you this only would I learn of you receive you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith are ye so foolish having begun Having begun in the spirit, 
Are you not made perfect or finishing in the flesh? And that's the problem that we have that the devil is trying to get us to do. That we start off in the spirit. We start off all zealous for God. We start off wanting to pray. We start off wanting to read the word. We begin in the spirit. But at some point we encounter the God of this world, Jupiter, to make us think that our source comes from someone or something else. And we look to something else as our beginning and as our ending. And God is saying, no, don't be foolish in starting in the spirit and ending in the flesh. Start in me and finish in me and in me alone. I want to really show you how how dangerous this was, what John was preaching. About being the first and about being the last. And as I said, throughout the entire narrative of scripture, you're going to see this first and last thing. What's very interesting is, is that the word truth in Hebrew is emeth. And the way that you spell truth is that you take the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and you take the middle letter of the Hebrew alphabet and you take the last one and you put them together and it makes truth. They believe that that word is the seal of God because it has what's called the aleph and has the mem and it has the tav. It has the beginning, it has the middle, and it has the ending. Truth is considered the seal of God. When Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, I am the way and I am the truth. He was saying, I am he which was, I am he which is, and I am he which is to come. Because truth is not just the beginning, it's not just the ending, but it's everything in between. And that's why there's no road to the Father unless you go by way of the truth. That was a freebie. Anyway. The first becoming the last. When the first is last. I want you to understand here again that the name Yahweh was the highest name ever. Again, the Jews could not pronounce his name as I said earlier. So it's very interesting that when Yahweh, who is the God of the universe, he then confined himself to becoming the lowest form in the universe, which is humanity. And he took upon himself a name called Jesus. Now I want you to understand something here. That Jesus is is an ordinary name. In that culture, Jesus was a common name. Or Yeshua in Hebrew. Jesus in Greek. And translating to English is Jesus. It was a, there are lots of people named Yeshua. We even find them in the Bible. There were certain disciples that were named Jesus. We even have a false witch, a sorcerer named Bar Jesus or the son of Jesus. It was a common name. It was a low name. Why on earth would Yahweh, who had the highest name on earth, take on a name that was the common low name? Because he was trying to show you that I am the first. I'm at the top. I'm even at the bottom. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name the first became last so he can make the last become first Jesus became one of us a commoner so that when he got up 
he lifted me up with him. He said, take on this mentality of becoming the last. Because when you're, he says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's very interesting that Jesus, whose name was common, has now been exalted to the highest name in all the heaven and in the earth. And it is the name that we baptize in. It is the name that I cast out devils in. It's the name that I heal the sick in. Why? Because it's the name that says that I am the first. I am the last. I am the alpha. I am the ending. I'm the omega. I'm the beginning. And I am the ending. And that, that's what God is trying to tell us today. You need to make God your first. God wants you to put him first. And to not fear on your isle of Patmos. Do not fear. Look unto Jesus again who is the author and who is the finisher of our faith. Who is the alpha and he is the omega. When you do that, that is when you are going to find revelation. That is when you are going to see the heavens open. That is when you are going to see deliverance out of the situation. Let's stand. I'm done. I'm quick. When the first is last, when the highest created being became the lowest form of being, this dichotomy of beginning and ending and first and last, and this idea of first and last, it's carried on throughout Christianity. That if you want to be exalted, you got to you got to humble yourself. <laughs> You got to go to the lowest before you can go to the highest. Right? It's all backwards. The greatest among you is the servant of all. This, this extreme, the, the opposites, the, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And what Jesus is saying here today, have you made me your first? Have you made me your first? Have you allowed me to start you? To start you on your journey? And then secondly, have you made me your last? Have you made me at the end of your journey? Have you allowed me the, the, the capability to write your story? Because you know what happened? When Jesus, who is the first, when he came down to earth and he was on the cross, the last words he said was, it is finished. The last isn't necessarily a designation of low rank. It just means the ending of something. Jesus, who was the first, he made the last statement in completing the work that he was to do, which was to see the complete redemption of mankind through his blood on the cross. And that is exactly what we're inviting you here today, to accept Christ as Savior and Lord, to truly make him Alpha, and to make him the Omega in your life, to make him the first, and to make him your last. That he's the first thing I think of in the morning, he's the last thing I think of when I go to bed. Have you made him your Alpha and Omega? Does God have to come after you in his copyright infringement lawsuit? Because we got all sorts of people calling themselves Hova and stuff all, all over here. Calm themselves God. Calm themselves, I can make it rain. I can do anything. I can, I'm, I'm God all by myself. That's what you're seeing at the great white throne judgment. Is Jesus settling this long copyright infringement lawsuit of all you, all you imposters who said that you're God. This, I never said I'm God. You do when you live your life as if he doesn't exist. Because when you live your life as if God doesn't exist, you're basically declaring that I am God. I am self-sufficient. I am self-existent. I require nothing else. I am, I am the cause and I am the effect. Are we living our lives in a way that diminishes Jesus' autonomy? 
that diminishes Jesus' authority and his sovereignty as being beginning and ending? Have we, have we wrestled away the pen from God's hand as he's trying to write our story? As he's trying to complete the work that's in us? As he's trying to direct us towards heaven? Have we wrestled away from him the pen? Have we pushed him away from the computer, from the typewriter, so he can't type another word in our heart, in our spirit, that tells us to forsake our sins and to forsake our iniquity and our trespasses and our transgressions? Have we tried to write our own story and say, no, I'm, I'm going to write the, the beginning and the ending of this story. When will you allow him to not only be the first, but also the last in your life? I offer you this opportunity to make that decision today, to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And the way that we do that is that first you need to repent of your sins, which means to turn away. Repentance does not mean just boohooing and crying over your situation, but it means to make a decision, to make a choice that I'm going to serve God no matter what. I'm going after Jesus and him alone. And as, a, as evidence of that repentance, then you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to be baptized in Jesus' name and taking part, as the scripture says, in his burial. And taking part in killing and dying out to the old man. And then Jesus wants to give you a wonderful gift. It's called the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So that he can live inside of you and become the I am inside of you. That whenever you are weary, whenever you are lonely, he'll become whatever you need to be. Jesus asked the question to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And your situation will also ask you, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he just another prophet? Is he just another good teacher? Is he just mythology? Is he just equivalent to Santa Claus? Or is he the one and only true living God that is able to save and deliver you from your sins? When you come to that revelation, that understanding of Jesus being the first, the last, that is when you can be re receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and your life can be forever changed. We become new creations in Jesus Christ. Offer this opportunity to come Christ is calling, come, come, come and drink of the waters of life freely. Come and drink from the fountain of everlasting life. And when you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. I can satiate your appetite. I can fulfill your desires. I can take away your pain. I can take away your embarrassment, your shame. I can take it away because I am the, the full extent and expanse of all that is good. The Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good thing comes from Christ. You will not find goodness in a bottle of alcohol. You will not find it in fentanyl. You won't find it in Prozac. You won't find it in a boyfriend or a girl friend. You won't find it in edu an education or a career. They are all fleeting and they won't fail because they're all temporary. You need something that's long lasting. <laughs> I'll say this one last thing. I'll get out of the way. Jerry Seinfeld once said he was, uh, he was sick and he went to the pharmacy and he was trying to find a medicine that helped with his particular ailment. And he's looking at the medicine and he said, well, this one looks interesting. It's fast acting. And he saw another one next to it that says, this one's long-lasting. And he's like, well, when do I want to feel good? Now or later? Because this, this one acts quickly, so I'll feel good now. This one's long-lasting, which means it takes a while, but I'll feel better later. I want to tell you that the blood of Jesus will make you feel good now, and it'll make you feel good later. <laughs> you don't have to choose between a, a, a quick fix. <laughs> you take a sip of this. You ain't going back. 
All it takes is one dose of the blood of Jesus and my sins are immediately washed away. <laughs> All it takes is one sip from the waters of everlasting life and I'll never thirst again. It's fast acting and it's long lasting. You have to choose between when you're going to feel better now or later. You can feel good better now and later when you choose Jesus. Why? Because he's the first. He's the last. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the alpha. He's the omega. Praise God. Let us pray today. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to do his thing. I can't do anything. I'm not the first. I'm not the last. He is. So I'm just going to let him do his thing. Let him work in your life. In the name of Jesus. Right now. Holy Spirit. I pray, move all over this place. Move through the airways. Move through the live stream even now to those that are listening within my voice. Show them, oh God, that you are the first. That you are the last. Show them even right now that you are, you have the right to dictate how things are going to go down. You have the right to receive all the glory. You get all the glory. No man can do it. Only you can do it. We Right now, we give you license. We give you permission. We give you, God, the opening door to work in our hearts, in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, right now, have your way. In Jesus' name. Right now, all over this house, let's begin to worship him. Worship him as being Alpha and Omega. Worship him as being the beginning and the end. Being the first and the last. There's no God beside you. There's no Savior other than you. You're our only hope. God, if you don't move, we're dead. We're, we're, we're hopeless. You are our hope. You are our source. We go to you right now. Become our first, become our last, become our everything, our in-between in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. As was spoken by the Holy Spirit, this is a time of repentance. This is a time to make God first. We have not been seeking God first. We have not been making him the last. We have not making him our whole, our whole life. As the poets say, in him we move and live and, and breathe and have our being. Right now, make him your first. Make him your last in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.